0: Hello there, it's Niamh and Soleil. And for this podcast, we're going to be talking about e-waste. What even is e-waste? E-waste is an abbreviated name for electronic waste. Electronic waste is usually an electronic nearing the end of its life. E-waste doesn't have to be a device. It can be anything that uses electricity. For example, a fridge, cables, phones, or even a light bulb. Thing that needs electricity, really. Well, now that you know what e-waste is, how do we recycle it? Well, e-waste isn't so mainstream, which means it's a huge problem to deal with because it's not really recognized by many people. Sure, plastic and such is a huge problem that we do have to deal with, but there are many problems out there that are trampled by the light of plastic waste and aren't then recognized. How do we recycle e-waste? Okay, so there's a large process around recycling e-waste. For example, taking out all the precious materials, such as gold and copper, out of the laptop, or lead, you know, and then recycling the excess glass and metal and the plastic- I'm pretty sure the average person doesn't know how to recycle e-waste in that way, so I'll tell you about the different places you can recycle e-waste. Since we're recording in New Zealand, we may not have the same locations as you guys do, but there are still things you can do. Do research into the nearest available places where you can recycle e-waste. Maybe your phone repair shop or even an Apple store. Those types of companies will take your e-waste. Or just Google your nearest transfer station. And last but not least, don't just throw your e-waste into the trash. Figure out where in your region will take your e-waste. How big of an issue is e-waste, really? E-waste is one of the largest growing waste streams in the world since the mid-70s. Now, there's no scale to measure this problem, but we can talk about the impact e-waste does have on our world. E-waste is hurting our environment. It's polluting our land and water. When we're not sure how to safely recycle our e-waste, we just throw it away, and it does a lot of damage. A lot of landfills have been properly built, but a lot have not. The chemicals in the e-waste leach into the ground and its surroundings. Many economically developing countries can make money off of recycling e-waste. Now if I have a truckload of e-waste and I have to get rid of it, I'll have to pay a lot of money to get rid of it. But if I can illegally ship it over to an economically growing country, I can get it off for free. That's an unfortunate case. Many people illegally ship their e-waste to these economically developing countries so they can get rid of it for free, and these countries might make some money from it. Well, hopefully that's enough information. Along with our commentary, we also interviewed random people on the street. We've been trying to get an interview with lots of different non-for-profit e-waste groups that could give us a different perspective on this e-waste issue. We decided that along with interviewing one non-for-profit e-waste group, we would interview people of the public so we can understand the story from both sides. The reason why I wanted to interview people on the streets was so that we could get a different sense of what everyone thought e-waste was, not just the big companies that focus themselves around it. If the majority of everyone was unsure what e-waste was, and once we explained it to them, confessed they would just throw their old phones away, then we would get a sense of where the issue was coming from. But if they said, hey, we know what e-waste is, and yeah, we recycle it properly, we might need to start looking in other places. We started by asking them very open-ended questions that really caused them to think about it. For example, do you know what e-waste is? What do you think could be the root issue of this e-waste problem? What part of our environment do you think e-waste affects the most? How would you fix the e-waste problem? And last but not least... Do you have e-waste in a closet or draw at home and why won't you recycle it? Those were roughly the questions we asked. Every once in a while we would forget to ask a question, but nonetheless those were the main points. Now we'll stop talking and let you listen to the audio. Do you know what e-waste
1: is? Not actually sure, that it's some sort of rubbish, isn't it? Could that be electrical goods? being thrown in the bin? Yes, it's the waste of electronics ending up in landfills instead of being reused or disposed of correctly.
0: No, I don't.
2: No. No. I think so, electronic beast.
0: No, I do not. No, that's... No. No, I don't. <laughs> no, enlighten me. Yes, so e-waste is all the electronics, like the old computers and stuff that basically can't use anymore. What do you think is the root issue of e-waste?
1: Older units being thrown away for newer products when they come out, so like the older iPhone for the newer one for example. I think that a lot of people don't even think about it. Generally people upgrading their phones instead of getting them repaired
2: or passing them down to someone else.
0: That people don't generally know how to recycle it. Pollution, yeah a lot of waste, too much waste. Because products don't last
2: that long. I would say that they don't build products that last very long.
0: Get pollution for
2: the environment because yeah. we, don't, we don't treat them properly. Electronic devices, they got a lithium batteries uh, that would be more dangerous for our environment.
0: Probably the new things coming up, like the new electronics, new technologies coming up. Probably not the accessibility, like there's not. Like, nothing comes to mind of where I could safely dispose of any e waste. What parts of our environment do you think e waste affects the most?
1: I'm going to say landfill, I'm not sure.
0: Well, it'd go, I think it'd go back to the production of the electricity,
1: wouldn't it? It's, it's pretty widespread, it ends up in the landfill. Lithium batteries are bad for the environment if they're not dis- disposed of properly. Okay. Right.
0: So. Probably like ocean, I don't know, maybe like air as
1: well. Yeah. Um, a lot of it probably goes to landfill when it shouldn't.
2: So if you don't recycle it properly, that would hurt the Mother Earth very badly. I think generally everything that is not decomposed with soil can be considered as waste. Just like us. If we are dead, like if you just lie in the soil, in maybe like two or three months you will get decomposed. And only the bones and nails would remain, but if you leave a phone, it would be there for decades. So that's my concept of seeing the waste here.
0: Yeah. Mm. Probably landfills, landfill. Yeah, probably the air quality or the waterways, maybe. Everything. It causes pollution. The
2: earth. I think we'll be the
0: water and the uh, the land as well. The air. I'm gonna go with the air. Definitely the climate or something, you know, because of these electronics
2: devices, Is a global warming, this kind of stuff is happening for now.
0: Probably the land, because it would just end up in the landfill or the ocean, and then just all the chemicals or whatever that's part of the batteries and stuff would
1: affect the water, pH, and everything, really.
0: <laughs> How would you fix the e-waste problem?
1: the need to not have the newest product out there I'd say get the most out of what you can and if you are going to buy something new maybe try and sell it on or repair it rather than just throw it away If there's a bit more education like e-waste isn't something that's mainstream in you know news and things like that and like a campaign, be great. <laughs> we recycle our batteries
2: that we do out of repairs, but now these days, there's some companies that are starting to try and recycle them. Would
1: selling items on
2: be considered? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely that, or yeah, taking them into shops that would take them.
1: Try and find a way to get it recycled or given to people less fortunate.
2: Encourage people to educate. Because if you give somebody a car and if you don't say them how to drive, what's the point of having that? So for my personal view, it's like you have to educate people how this thing should be done and what it can cause if they don't do it in the right way.
0: The companies make products that last longer so the waste will be less.
2: i build products that last longer and that can be fixed. So, phone breaks, you can fix it. Not have to buy a new phone.
0: I guess I would have to do some research as to where I could dispose of like batteries and laptops and stuff. Do you have any waste in a closet or drawer at home?
1: No, not really. I've got my first phone that I ever got, but I'm gonna keep that. We send, take, like, something's broken. Either it gets fixed or it goes to Wastebusters and then they
2: recycle
0: it. Um, not sure. Yeah, I'm not
2: sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Multiple old phones that I've just... didn't want to throw away.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, some cables I don't use. No, I give my old phones to my siblings. What's your name?
1: Barbara. Uh, my name's Caleb.
0: Mariana. Emma.
1: Claire. Zach. Uh,
0: Lauren. Eliza. Sumandeep.
1: Megan. <laughs> Chin. Dad.
0: Maggie. Demira. Isabella. Morgan. It was really interesting talking to the people in the streets because some people knew what e-waste was and some had no idea. We even needed to explain it to them. Definitely. It was really interesting finding people's own perspective on it and I do think that one of the reasons why they largely didn't understand it was that they didn't hear of it often. Like Morgan said on the previous interview, nothing really comes to mind when you think, where can I recycle e-waste? Maybe that's the reason why. Maybe because the spotlight above it doesn't shine so bright, if you know what I mean. Aside from that, it was hard to talk to people because we were scared that they would turn us down or just simply ignore us. That in itself is very humiliating. Trying to ask someone to allow us to interview them while they keep their heads down and run away from us? Not even acknowledging us? It's very awkward. But we ended up persevering and asking strangers and it was actually really fun. Sometimes it was hard to go into stores because they would give us judgmental looks, and we felt uncomfortable, and we thought, maybe we shouldn't do this. Sometimes they would let us talk to them, but they would just give us, I don't know, or just, um. Sometimes it was really hard to ask people to interview them. We would end up getting nervous, and we would walk straight past them, and then we would cringe in a little corner of the street while we watched them walk away. Either way, it was actually really fun. The whole process of asking people on the streets, people we didn't even know, it was surprisingly fun. All in all, it was a great experience. One we would do again. But, hey, that was only the public side of things. Are we missing something? Yeah, we're missing the non-profit e-waste group that we interviewed. You're right. We interviewed Blair Kippenberger from Cargill Enterprises in Dunedin. Cargill Enterprises provides jobs for people with intellectual disabilities. Which seems so interesting, and it's actually a really nice perspective on the whole thing. Well, let's cut to the chase and listen what he has to say about this whole thing. As you know, our names are Nia and Phile. We're from Liger Leadership Academy here in Queenstown. And we are doing a podcast centered around e-waste reduction and e-waste in general. So why don't we just go ahead and start off? Do you mind introducing yourself for us?
1: Certainly. Yeah, thanks guys for the call. It's uh, great to feature on your podcast. My name is Blair Kippenberger. I am the sales manager at Cargill Enterprises in Dunedin. Cargill Enterprises processes e-waste for, for Dunedin, a number of different customers, which I can talk about a little bit later. But we process around about 10% of Dunedin's e-waste. So there's an opportunity to process a lot more, but at least at least we're processing some. And it is a growing market for us, which is which is great.
0: So how do you go about collecting your e-waste?
1: We have a essentially a collection point here at our organization, but we have a a retail store here where we will take customers e-waste. So anything from cables through to computer monitors, hard drives, heaters, microwaves, there's a real range of things, laptops, tablets, phones... Anything with a, a plug, really, except except for whiteware. Whiteware just has too big of a footprint, and we haven't got enough room here to have stacks and stacks of washing machines and dryers. So think anything with a cord, but small enough that we can sort of fit in our in our workshop there to, to disassemble.
0: Wow, that's really interesting. What do you think is the root issue of this e-waste problem?
1: Personally, and I think the organization would share my view here, is... We live in a society where products are made to last for two or three years. I recently went to Harvey Norman to purchase a television for my home and expected that it would last for five or six years, but the sales salesman said it would last or was covered under warranty for two years. And then we would start to see things like pixels go, you know, the picture would fade. So that was quite surprising to spend a lot of money on a television that might only last two years. And I think that's indicative of the society that we're in products are made with fairly cheap components which break down quickly and it is in the interest of those manufacturers like Dell computers or HP or Samsung to make products which don't last long so then that we come back and we buy products. So it is that is I think the core issue that we have with with e-waste.
0: Okay, so you know you told us that you couldn't recycle fridges and washing machines, but what part of, let's say the computers and stuff can't you recycle? What do you deem unrecyclable?
1: We can recycle anything with a with a cord as long as there's enough value in the I guess, item for us to, to to get some money back from recyclers. And when I say value, I mean, if you were to bring in a computer, we can remove the circuit boards. We can take away the cables. There's copper in the cables. Sometimes there's copper coils around the circuit boards or in the circuitry. We can take those to places like Sims Pacific Metals or Everett's here in Dunedin and they're scrap metal recyclers. So they'll give us a fee for that. Uh, Where it gets difficult is if we get something that is 95% plastic and 5% metal or electric components, then it gets quite difficult to justify the labor it takes to take that piece of equipment apart. So if you imagine someone brings in an item, which is 95% hard plastic and 5% copper, there's not much for us to recycle that. So typically that will end up in landfill.
0: So have you ever gone to the let's say, the transfer station or the dump or the landfill and have you ever gotten out e-waste there and brought it back to recycle?
1: Yes, a, a major component or a major portion of the e-waste that we process is from the Dunedin City Council's rummage area. And they call it rummage because people can take things there and maybe find things that they may want to take home and repair what is not taken away to repair and I'm talking bins and bins of TVs you know computer stands phones, headphones all of the e-waste equipment that you can think of that comes to us in large timber bins and we receive about 10 of those a month which we then process take apart and obviously send the components away to be recycled and that's driven by the Dunedin city Council so it's a, like a local initiative.
0: How do you go about hiring people? Because we heard that you hired disabled people and that sounds like really interesting. So can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Awesome, I'm really glad you asked. So I I meant to mention it at the start and giving you a bit of an introduction to Cargill's. So yes, we, we have between 70 and 80 staff here with disabilities. We are a nonprofit, we're a charity, and we only really exist here to provide job opportunities to people with disabilities. So we've been around for about 60 years and we've been doing e-waste for about eight years. In those eight years, our e-waste team has grown because of the growth in e-waste. E-waste work is great for our staff because it is clean, repetitive and fairly simple work. So our team love to use tools, screwdrivers, take apart components and then put them into the areas. It's work that requires a lot of focus and a lot of product knowledge our guys are quite passionate about what they do so when we're looking for new staff we're looking for people that yeah quite enjoy using tools enjoy you know working with technology so yeah around 80 staff throughout all of our departments and yeah everyone has some form of intellectual or physical disability
0: so what qualifies as disabled what's the what's the whole process of it
1: good question it's it primarily we focus on intellectually disabled so things like people with down syndrome or autism or you know conditions that mean that it's quite difficult for them to get employment within the private sector so you could consider these people might have high barriers to employment and that's because they just require a little more support so yeah it's it's an it's an interesting one we do have some staff with physical disabilities but primarily Our area is intellectual disability. And the reason we exist is because, as I've mentioned, those people find it difficult to get those jobs in the private sector.
0: How do you guys come up with the idea to hire
1: people like that? With disabilities i think because it's been here for so long it's been here since 1960 originally it was a place for people returning from work from war that had maybe a physical disability it was a place where they could come and keep their hands busy you know if people were in wheelchairs or had issues and then from there it sort of evolved into providing people with intellectual disability providing work for them it's we're a part of an of a nationwide I'd say there, are, there are, there's a few organizations like us. There's one in Auckland called Altus. There's one in Christchurch called Kilmarnock. And we all talk to each other. We're on the Disability Enterprise Board. We will share information. We try and share contracts. So across the country, there's organizations like us doing this awesome work. And what it comes down to is, yeah, providing work and a voice for people who, as I sort of said, don't necessarily get those opportunities with just a pure profit-driven market. One of the the lines that we tend to use is a lot of organizations look for people to do manufacturing work and make a profit. We look for manufacturing work that we can give to our people to keep them employed and to keep them in a job. So
0: over here at Liger, We have a couple of non-for-profit companies that send us laptops that they've collected from the public or other smaller or larger companies, and then we repair and ship them back. Do you have anything like that going on? Does any companies send over laptops for you guys to repair?
1: Absolutely. So a big part of our e-waste would be from the University of Otago. So they're our main customer, and we send a van to the university almost weekly to pick up. A huge amount of e-waste material, laptops, old computers, monitors, you know, anything with a cable. We're, we've even started doing things like fluorescent lights. Yeah, we have a very big volume of e-waste coming from the University of Otago. And there's also a lot of other for-profit companies around Dunedin, such as Anderson Lloyd Lawyers, Calder Stewart Construction, Aotea Electric send us a lot of stuff. And then there's companies like Strawberry Sound and Vision, they're companies that I guess would be like a technology partner for a business. Like if, if you two started a business, you had 10 staff, all of those staff had computers, laptops, all that stuff. Obviously, there's going to be a refurbing or an updating of their equipment at some stage. So a technology partner like Vision or Strawberry Sound or Connect or Video Pro would take those old items and they, and they bring them to us. So we have relationships with a lot of private organizations and the odd non-profit one like the Otago or Dunedin Hospice, Dunedin Aged Care. Pretty much, if anyone needs us to pick up or, or needs their e-waste collected, they give us a call, which is a great position for us to be in.
0: How much e-waste do you guys get weekly?
1: Good question. I think we process around 20 tonnes a year. So if you divide that by 52 weeks, my maths isn't that strong. But you could probably assume around... 300 to, to 500 kgs uh, per week. Out of that 500 kgs of e-waste that comes in, it might be 15 kgs of copper, 20 kgs of steel and aluminium, You know, 50 kgs of circuit boards of different grades, low, medium, and high, 100 kgs of uh, a different component that goes away to the, the, the scrap metal yard. And then, to be honest, a major part of that weight would be the hard plastic which we can't recycle which does end up in landfill so there is a little bit of a negative sort of part of of that process but until we find or until someone develops a really good hard like technology plastic recycling service that's going to be the reality so I guess the, the story is it's better to recycle some rather than none so we just try and recycle as much of those components as we can and sometimes Recently, we got a whole bunch of components from the university, which were 95% recyclable and just 5% was landfill. So that's a win, you know, and we'll take those wins wherever we can.
0: So me and Soleil, along with other members of our group, have also been doing a bit of research into what's the most like commonly bought product. For example, how many phones are there in e-waste compared to laptops? Things like that. Mm. So what would be the most common type of e-waste that you get?
1: Very good question. Very good question. I think I've done a few van pickups myself, and we get a lot of old TV screens. That would be, I think that would would be the major one. When I say TV screens, I mean computer monitors, TV screens, thing with a reasonably thin bezel. You know those old school, really big TV screens they had in the 60s and 70s and 80s? They're called CRTs. I can't recall what that actually stands for, but they those big bulky televisions once TVs and screens started going to thinner computer monitors plasmas things that go on the wall the life cycle of TVs just is just ending so quickly like i mentioned earlier you know 2 years 3 years people have these for 5 years so screens would be the biggest one closely followed i think by hard drives if you think about 10 years ago no one really had a laptop and a screen people had a computer with a hard drive. You know, those big, bulky hard drives with like a CD drive in them. And they sat down on the ground. That was the norm. You know, when I was at school and I was in Cromwell, our computer room, every, t- every computer screen had a hard drive. We are now starting to see all of those hard drives come in. So we see a huge amount of those hard drives. In the next 10 years, what we'll see is a lot more laptops. You know, we're starting to see a lot of laptops, but not as many as hard drives because you know that's where the life cycle's at so I use a laptop with a screen now so in five or ten years when that's due to be recycled that's what I'll send to cables to be recycled.
0: I would have totally assumed that laptops were the most frequented item because it just seems like everyone has one nowadays and everyone's throwing them away so I had no idea that TVs were the most common item that you guys get.
1: It certainly is particularly yeah as I said those plasmas and things they're, they're an item that people will replace but not necessarily get rid of straight away now so we're starting to see you know those two three TVs per household in the early 2000s they are now coming through for recycling as people start to clean out
0: so just to just understand in comparison what would be the most uncommon item you guys get at Corrigal
1: most uncommon. We don't see a tremendous amount of tablets. And while we are seeing more and more mobile phones, we don't see a huge amount. And I think that'll change in the next five years as people start to realize again, you know, that top drawer that you might have at home might have two phones in it. And you think, oh, I might fire one of those up one day, or maybe my kid will want it, or my nephew or my niece. No, they won't. They'll buy a new phone or they'll get something that's a little more, you know, up to date. So We expect to see a lot more phones and tablets over the next five to 10 years. The other thing, we don't see a lot of, I guess, handheld electronic equipment. Think things like hair straighteners or electric shavers or, you know, we don't really see a lot of that, but they are items that we we absolutely can recycle and love to recycle because there's usually not a lot of labor involved to get the components out and they're quite quick. So we would like to see a lot more of that smaller sort of stuff that I think people probably think when they think e-waste, they think laptops, computers, TVs, but they might not assume it's things like shavers or hair straighteners or smaller, you know, cosmetic handheld items or even smaller kitchen items like hand wands, you know, or blenders and things like that. Those probably end up in landfill without people thinking about it. So we just try and tell people anything with a cable Bring it in.
0: Our last question is how would you fix the e-waste
1: problem? How do we fix the e-waste problem? Good question. There's something in the works at the moment at a government level and it's called product stewardship. I think product stewardship is the key to fixing our e-waste problem. Product stewardship puts the responsibility for the recycling of a product on the manufacturer and the consumer. So if you two went into Harvey Norman and you bought a television for $1,000, what would cost you $1,000 today? Under product stewardship, it might cost you $1,000 and 50. So you spend $1,050. That $50 is then sent from Harvey Norman to somewhere like Cargill Enterprises. Where you hold that money or Harvey Norman holds that money, that part's irrelevant. Essentially, that piece of technology, when it goes through its life cycle, you know, you've been watching it for two, three years, and then it ends up coming to us. The recycling of that item is bought and paid for by you. And the manufacturer tends to wear a portion of that. Because remember, the manufacturer, they're profiting off this. They have a responsibility to ensure whatever they make is recycled, you know, end of life and doesn't just end up in a pile in Green Island and landfill. So Product stewardship, I think, is key, putting the onus on the manufacturer and the consumer, ensuring that those monies are available at the start of the product's life cycle. It's then transferred to someone like Cargill's. So we know we're getting paid to process this and our cost is covered. And then the circuit boards, the copper, the metal, the steel, the aluminium, everything is being recycled, put back into the commodities market and used again. That's true recycling. There's some really cool things going on with soft plastics being made into fence posts, which are used in farms and vineyards. So there's some cool projects going on around. The dream would be every single component of an electrical item is recyclable. So under product stewardship, I think that can happen. Our current Labour government put that on hold for a couple of years around the time that COVID hit, but we're very, very hopeful that it will become top of the agenda again because e-waste is not going away it's just going to get worse so we need to find out a way that we can have these products moving from the start through their life cycle to somewhere like Cargills to be recycled
0: yeah e-waste it isn't going to get any better unless we do something about it well thank you so much Blair for agreeing to do this interview with us it was awesome to have you here yeah it was really interesting talking to you so thank you so much yeah have a good day
1: you too. Thanks for the call. You guys are doing great work. Appreciate you taking an interest in e-waste and yeah, continue to spread the word about e-waste recycling. If you know anyone that needs things recycling, tell them that Cargill Enterprises in the need and, you know, we're here. You are, You recycle an e-waste item, but you also create a job for someone with a disability. So it has an environmental and a social impact. So be sure to spread the word.
0: Wow, that was so interesting. You're right, I had no idea TVs are the most common e-waste item. I assumed it was laptops or phones or something. I didn't even know that electric razors and such qualify as e-waste. Apparently, Cargo processes 10% of the Dunedin's e-waste. That's insane. Yeah, they even have a retail store so people can take the e-waste down there. I think that that's a really good idea, but it's a shame they don't do whiteware. Whiteware is fridges, dishwashers, washing machines, that type of stuff. But we totally understand why. You know, I think it's up to us to help with the e-waste issue, but not just us. The companies have to do their bit, too. Well, thank you for watching this episode. Have a great day. Or Or night. night.